0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the New Jersey Economic Development Authority's Conversations podcast. I'm Tara Colton, Executive Vice President for Economic Security at the NJEDA, and I'm really excited to guest host our November eConversations podcast. In honor of Thanksgiving this month, we are focusing our November episode on the Sustain and Serve New Jersey program program very close to my heart. Sustain and Serve New Jersey started uh, in late 2020 as a $2 million pilot program to support the restaurant industry and simultaneously address food insecurity. The model is very simple, provide grants to organizations statewide to purchase meals from local restaurants and distribute them to members of the community free of charge. Since February of 2021, The program has grown into a nearly $35 million program, and the impact has been overwhelming. We've already had nearly 2 million meals purchased from more than 400 restaurants in every county in the state. We're on track to purchase another 1.5 million meals by January. So in addition to the $35 million that we already have to date, we were so thrilled and honored that Governor Murphy recently announced that there will be an additional $10 million for sustain and serve to have a phase three, which will bring our total to $45 million in funding and 4.5 million meals served. This program has really grown beyond our wildest expectations. Um, A lot of that has to do with the incredible uh, commitment and passion and creativity of our grantees. And I'm honored that you'll be hearing from several of them today. I also just really want to underscore as powerful as this has been to serve as really vital revenue for so many restaurants and businesses throughout our state, allowing them to stay open and keep their workers employed. And it has also been really a lifeline to the very significant numbers of New Jerseyans who face food insecurity, Something that I think you'll hear about in the conversation today is also about the dignity that is provided and the respect that is offered to the meal recipients because of the quality of the meals that they're receiving and the way the meals are presented. And that's something that um, really has a, a psychological and emotional and personal impact and something that has been very powerful. So we're very honored today to be joined by Dr. Legia Carter, Executive Director of the Coalition for Food and Health Equity in Jersey City, Barbara Wild, Executive Director of the New Jersey Farmers Cooperative in Cape May, and Joyce Campbell, Executive Director of the Trenton Area Soup Kitchen. North, Central, and South Jersey are all together today. Together, these three agencies have purchased nearly 330,000 meals from New Jersey restaurants, and distributed them to food insecure residents throughout the state. So I wanna say welcome to each of our participants and thank them for joining us. We're gonna ask each of our participants uh, one opening question and then have some conversation. We're going to start with Barbara Wild and the New Jersey Farmers Cooperative, whose mission is to help New Jersey's farmers, artists, and artisans survive and thrive through shared uses of resources, education, and cooperative marketing. The cooperative's members consider it their way of giving back to the makers that enrich their lives and their communities. Under Barbara's leadership, the cooperative is creating a regional network of farmers, artists, and artisans in underserved communities in South Jersey and beyond to make the community more economically viable, save farmland by preserving historic properties, and reinvigorating the community as a whole by making farming and small business more accessible to people of color, women, and youth. Barbara is also the founder of Wild Hospitality Group, which includes Willow Creek Winery and Farm, uh, Southern Mansion, Legates Farm and Market, and the cottages at Willow Creek. The 50-acre Willow Creek Winery and Farm produces sustainable estate wines from grapes grown on the property. I had the pleasure of visiting Willow Creek with my family when we were on vacation down the shore, and my, uh, my children refer to it as, quote, the grape farm. So they definitely picked up on what you were doing. And um, my son told me that the pizza he ate there is one of the only types of pizza he would like to eat going forward. So we'll be making the trip down to Cape May at some point, I'm sure. So Barbara, your organization has created a lot of interesting partnerships through Sustain and Serve including working with Cape May schools to transport meals via school buses and employing local residents to help with meal preparation. Can you tell us a little bit about these partnerships and how they're furthering your efforts to both support your farmers and alleviate food insecurity? Well, I will be
1: honest with you. In the beginning, we knew, first of all, we're incredibly grateful to be included in this program and to be able to give back to our community. But more than anything, We knew we could produce the meals. We were working with large catering kitchens, so that wasn't a problem. We knew we could produce them. It was more, how do you get them out to the public? And so we started calling around, You and you call your assemblyman, you call your local churches, you call everything, and they just kept giving us more and more suggestions. It was really from the ground-up learning experience. I was very blessed because they would say, hey, call this person. They're in charge of the school buses. And lo and behold, there's a huge need down in Cape May County. I learned I had no idea how many people were in desperate need and they weren't getting fed. A lot of them were kids. Their parents have substance abuse problems. The kids weren't getting fed at all. The only time they got a meal is when they were at school. And guess what? They weren't in school then. Older people, they weren't getting good meals or even with the soup kitchen and not soup kitchens, but like uh, the pantries. They weren't really able to cook the food. They get box things and stuff. But they really wanted a meal that was prepared, that they could just heat up in the microwave, heat up in the oven, put it in the freezer. And so we knew there was a big meal. And today we were actually just approached by CEO of um, our CEO of the huge Coast Guard base we have here. And now they're about to come in and they're going to get involved and come over as volunteers too and distribute. Distributing is the key. We can produce so many meals. It's incredible, but it's getting it out to the people and then so what we ended up doing, uh, the faith-based groups were incredible, and they just blew my mind. They were taking, they were showing up with box trucks. Uh, the school systems, when there was not school time, they would come up with school buses, and they would just load. We'd be making them in, in an assembly line, having them ready, and they would just load them up. We were also very blessed because we're just gifted with two big walk-ins, a big huge walk-in freezer, and a big walk-in uh, refrigerator, which is going to really help because then we can put stuff aside. Because what we do is. We get rid of the bulk in the trucks and school buses. They just come in these vans. We fill them up. But to get them to the individuals, what we do is we take them over to the other farm at Legates, which is in walking distance of some of the most needy people in Cape May County. And literally, people were lined up down the street. We have like Sundays or Saturdays lined up the street. And at first they were embarrassed. And this is, oh, are you going to ask for our name? Is it something? No, we just want you to have it. We don't care. Here you go. And and they were delighted. So now we're really excited because we can stockpile a bunch. And then winter down in Cape May is the worst because it's a seasonal community and we can stockpile and just give them away, give them away, give them away, give them away. And people are so excited. I cannot tell you. And now we have the retired veterans organization and they're going to get involved, too. But people like want to help. They get excited and they also like the whole community. They're, they look, talk to people, get involved, come in and see us all. And it's fun. I mean, You don't let certain people touch the hot ovens, obviously, but, you know, everything else you can set up. Everybody's talking. They're having a good time. And then all these people who desperately need food are delighted, absolutely delighted. So it's a win-win for everybody. It really is. And we try to do healthy stuff. Again, you have to do it healthy but comfort food. You can't just do a kale salad for a kid or a grandmom because they're not going to eat it. You have to make it good. You want to have enough protein. You want to have something that's tasty, um, something that can be reheated, something that can be saved and will keep. But it's healthy. And also, like I said, they do need the protein. They do need some veggies thrown in. You try to do all that. And that's what we try to do. Simple, but
0: very, very good. Thank you so much, Barbara, and I would really echo one of the points you made and something we've heard from a lot of our grantees all throughout the state is that the organizations that have received these funds or have been distributing the meals, a lot of the people who have been involved, if this has exposed them to the hunger that was hiding around the corner in their community that they had no idea about. And so I think it's really been eye-opening for a lot of people about just how many people in New Jersey... Neighbors or other people in their communities don't know where their next meal is coming from. And um, we're very grateful that that so many people have stepped up to help and now see this issue as something that you know matters to them personally. So we're going to shift up north uh, and go to, to Dr. Leija Carter, who is the founder and executive director at the Coalition for Food and Health Equity, which addresses the root causes of health inequity by identifying how structural oppression marginalizes communities and impedes health. The Coalition is a Black and women-led nonprofit organization that places hunger within the larger context of racial health equity. Founded by Dr. Carter, the Coalition envisions a nation where no one goes hungry and everyone can access the food and wellness services they need. Dr. Carter is a Fulbright Scholar, an Associate Professor of Exercise Psychology at the Intersections of Critical and Feminist Health Equity at Temple University, and an expert on inclusive and equity-focused practice in sports and health. And I must say, having had the opportunity to meet Ligia a couple of weeks ago when we visited one of your restaurant partners, you always describe uh, the work that the coalition does as hugs in a box, that people are getting that warmth through their meals, and I certainly see it. Having met you in person, you certainly bring that energy and passion to all that you do. So wanted to ask you, you launched the Coalition for Food and Health Equity as a direct response to COVID-19 and have delivered weekly meals to vulnerable populations in Hudson County through partnerships with local restaurants. You yourself have an extensive background and you've told me how you that you feel that background has led you directly to creating this coalition. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and why you see this as your calling?
2: Yeah, um absolutely. First, thank you so much for inviting me to be on this podcast with these other wonderful women. It's just it's just so It's so amazing, um, and I just feel very honored to be um, a part of today's conversation. Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting the ways in which, like, where life takes you. You know, my background is in both psychology and movement science, and essentially for the past 15 years, I've looked at the social determinants of physical activity, and that includes not just, you know, the built environment, which we know plays a huge role in getting people active but also things like psychology, spirituality, as well as what you eat and put in your body has a direct impact on its ability to be able to move in all the ways in which you hope that it can move. And I've also been able to have the honor of doing this work, particularly with women of color, particularly Black women. And so throughout through this past kind of, you know, uh, 15 years of my career with research and doing community-based work, One thing really sticks into my mind, and it's something a participant said to me in a a study I did a a few years ago. I I had asked participants, you know, what would you need in order to be able to engage in full on healthy, helpful behaviors? And one woman, um, she resides in Brooklyn, New York. She said, you know, for me to be able to access, you know, good food, nutritious food, fresh food. The local grocer that would have those items is about a mile and a half, two miles away. There isn't a direct bus that goes there. There isn't transportation is expensive. And she said, you know, for me, when I think about nutrition and health, it's just a world away for me that she's on earth and being able to access healthy food, good food. And also other things like mental health, mental health services and services for physical health all seemed like it was on a whole other planet. And so one thing that I toil in constantly is particularly with coalition equity is how do we make, particularly when it comes to accessing good nutritious food and items, how do we change that from being a world away for folks to being right on your doorstep? And how do we do it in a way that, as you said, Tara, keeps the dignity, the care, the love, and the respect that we all deserve and should have. And so me, myself, I come from humble beginnings. And so I always think about, you know, how can food be that, you know, stable, significant change agent that can show people that your community is there for you, they care, they see you, they see your needs, right? So with Coalition Equity, with our hunger program, you know, we provide tasty, nutritious food, but we also customize it for our clients. And that's something that's really surprising for them, that they don't have to pay for it, they don't have to beg for to be seen fully. And so I think my entire background with working in research, as well as working with some phenomenal community-based organizations that twirl deeply in the ways that communities of color are marginalized, historically and structurally, and how we can reach those groups reach those communities, but do so in a way that reinforces dignity, that is truly steeped in liberation-based models, and also brings other people into the fold. Because, you know, we can't we can't sustain any of this alone, right? And I think that's the beauty of really good community-based work. So I'll just say in a nutshell, I think, you know, me, my own background, being a kid that didn't have everything, and then having the honor and the blessing of, going into someone that that can research the ways in which society can do better to help people. One through food and through other mechanisms definitely has brought me here to what I think is a a very interesting full circle moment of, you know, being able to see what other people are doing and working with some amazing restaurant owners that also see themselves as change agents in health. Yeah, I I think that's it.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Really powerful. And last but not least, uh, we're going to hear uh, from Joyce Campbell, Executive Director of the Trenton Area Soup Kitchen, or Task. Task has been a mainstay in the Mercer County community for nearly 40 years, providing meals and educational services. In 2020, Task provided over 400,000 meals in the greater Mercer County region and currently serves an estimated 8,000 free meals each week to folks in Mercer County who need them and provide services that increase self-sufficiency and improve quality of life. Priority task, Joyce worked for over 20 years at Catholic Charities of Trenton and is a professional social worker. She's been a passionate advocate for policies and programs that break the cycle of poverty. So Joyce, through Sustain and Serve, you're partnering with 11 local restaurants in the Trenton area to provide meals to food insecure residents within your region. Tell us about your experience working with the local restaurants to make this happen
3: and the impacts that it's had on both the restaurants and the meal recipients. Sure. Thank you very much, Tara. Task actually began a little project of its own prior to Sustain and Serve. We were so generously supported by the community that we actually had read about some other places using local restaurants. So we had actually reached out to two Local, our focus is small restaurants, local, you know, minority owned and, but still with the capacity to provide about 200 meals minimum. And so we started two great partnerships. We were able to add two sites, uh, in Hamilton at schools where both parents and children were able to pick up the meals. So, and it just was wonderful. The one restaurant, they're still with us. (laughs) I can tell you he will tell us that we saved his business. So when Sustain and Serve came out, it was like, whoa. And now the second part of it, to really expand that to 11 restaurants in the area, again, with that focus, all I can say is it's a win, win, win. First of all, it's a win for our people who, as you said earlier, are provided a meal they don't normally get. I mean, our meals are very good at Uh, but yet to get a restaurant meal, you know, is just something really special. And to be able to get that, to know that it's balanced, has been wonderful for our patrons. Obviously for the restaurants, it's been great for them. That industry has just been struggling so much, but they are just thrilled to partner with us. And I think for them, you know, there's an awareness, even more awareness now of people who are struggling, which is great, but and also not just because they're seeing our folks, but probably because they've had to struggle themselves. And, you know, for the community at large, you know, it this is is providing a lot of hope for people. I mean, we always say that we turn hunger into hope. It's so helpless not to have something to eat. So altogether, you know, we are providing a lot of hope in the area with this. Second round of Sustain and Serve, one of the wonderful things it's going to do is it's going to allow us to keep up our meal service while our kitchen is being renovated. <laughs> we found, you know, we've done a huge increase. Uh, we moved some stuff around, but we really found out that we needed to really renovate. So we're going to be ready for future issues should they come up, or I'm going to say when they come up, because I just feel that they probably will. And it's going to allow us to also create a teaching kitchen. We had actually started a small culinary academy just about three weeks prior to COVID to really train up some young folks to be going in the restaurant industry. So while we're down for about eight weeks, being able to purchase from Sustain and Serve and keep up our meal production will be really great. Uh, we will, our kitchen staff will be cooking in another kitchen, but a much smaller one. So it's just for us, that's just an additional uh, piece. So then as a result of all of it, the future will be able to really serve the community even better.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. So as we start to close out the program, you know, we've heard so much today. We've heard about hope and and dignity and warmth. Obviously, Sustain and Serve has had an enormous impact on combating food insecurity in New Jersey. But throughout the past nine months since we launched the program, we've heard stories, and you've shared some of them today, of how the program has helped build bridges and build connections between participants and their communities. And just as we wrap up, would ask if there's any brief examples that stick out in your mind that you'd like to share. Um, Barbara, maybe we could start with you, and then uh, we'll just go north. So we'll go Barbara, then Joyce, then Leija.
1: I I think Seeing the kids be delighted with food, but I mean, e- even something as simple as these women would show up and they'd be mortified to ask and they'd be like, Oh, do we have to prove anything? I'm like, absolutely not. If you're just tired and you want to bring meals home to your kids, go. But some of the older folks, it was just incredible because they were, I mean, they were writing me letters thanking me. Oh my God. I got a, I really loved it. Can we get one next week? Can we, can somebody come pick up? And I'm like, sure. No problem. Come get them. We, we can make them and we're happy, happy to do, but it really makes a big difference. And then they feel, you know, it, it, it's they get excited. It's like they the big excitement for the week and the people all talk and they love it. I, I'm just I had no idea how many people needed food. And it's just wonderful. So I've, I've worked really hard and I want to give back. And I think there's a lot of people like that who want to do that. They want to see other people feel good and flourish. I like seeing people
3: succeed. It makes me feel really good and happy. So it's nice. Thank you so much, Joyce. Um, You know, I think I kind of mentioned some of the extras that we've certainly experienced because of sustain and serve. But really kind of going back, um, one of the things that I think it really addresses is nutrition insecurity. You know, we talk about food insecurity And we try very hard at task with our own meals, you know, to be more nutritional. But again, it's very difficult because we always approach it as the one meal we provide. If that's somebody's only meal of the day, we want to make sure it's substantial enough. But I think with the restaurants and saying, you know, you have to have certain things, I believe that we are helping nutritional insecurity.
0: It's so important. And again, that goes back to the dignity and the reality that this meal may be the only or the most nutritious thing that people eat. And just in talking to some of the, the restaurants and the chefs at those restaurants, you you hear and see the, how seriously they take that responsibility. So, Lija, I had the pleasure um Uh, again, of meeting you and and working with uh, some of your your restaurant partners a couple weeks ago. If you want to close us out and, again, just share any examples about the bridges that you see being built between participants and their communities.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I echo that when it on nutrition security and addressing nutrition insecurity and kind of jumping off of that, something that we – feedback we often get from our clients – uh, we serve about 80% of our clients are, are seniors and seniors who have some form of disability. And so many of our, our clients uh will call us or their email or they'll call our hotline and say, you know, this food is allowing me, is helping me manage my chronic illness, it is helping me, you know, get through the day. It's not just about hunger. It's about the type of food that's being put in someone's body that can help them with their diabetes, help them with their blood pressure, help them just have a healthier physical existence. And so because the focus is on nutrition as well as food, we're able to close multiple gaps, not just on hunger, but also on good diet, nutritional diet. For us, we're we're beginning to expand into more of nutritional knowledge and literacy. So each of our, our clients receive um, dietary facts with each of their meals so they know what's in that meal. And that's a conversation they could have with their caseworker, their caregiver about this particular meal and how it may be helpful to them or how we can do better. The second thing is now this has just been so beautiful is the way in which the restaurants see themselves as part of the solution, part of the solution. Um, I would say all the restaurants that we are partnered with, they now are out there and they're messengers for, one, what we do, but also realizing that they are the door. They're the answer. Right. That because we're using restaurants to make these nutritious meals and to serve our community, we need them to be change makers in health and be community advocates. And they've grown and evolved into this. Right. So it's not just me that has to be out there saying, hey, You know, here's a program. Our restaurant owners, you know, if they see someone or if they come across someone that might be experiencing nutritional insecurity or food insecurity, they say, hey, I'm part of a program, and maybe you might want to learn more about that information. Someone here also um, shared about how serious the restaurant owners take and the chefs take what they do. Oh, my God. They are just so, so, so serious. And so I asked myself, I'm like, why go anywhere else where we have chefs dedicated to helping people eat good and eat right, you know, they're, to me, they're the scientists. And so it's just been good to see them kind of turn into these community um, workers, community uh, supporters. It's just a win, 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 as we shared. It's just, and it's a beautiful social kind of microeconomy that's being developed both economically, but social emotionally, you know? So, yeah. Well, thank
0: you all. I want to thank our amazing group of Women who are leading these organizations and and really bringing um, so much life to all things that have been discussed as it relates to sustain and serve the the economic impact, the human impact, the health impact, the social impact. Um, And I think it, it, you know, your work is what has helped transform and propel this program from a $2 million pilot to $45 million. And beyond. And, um, we just say in closing how um, grateful we are to be able to learn from you and to partner with you to advance Governor Murphy's vision of a stronger, fairer New Jersey. And I think thanks to all of you and our grantees to, to a New Jersey that's well fed and well nourished in every sense of the word. So I want to thank you all for joining us today. And thank you. Please join us for the next e conversations podcast with the NJEDA. Thanks very much.